So we are in this kind of summer series where we're looking at different things um, that, let me, let me put it this way. How many of you guys drive? All right. What would happen if you're you know, driving your car and you keep driving it and you don't change the oil in your, in your car, you don't rotate your tires? What's going to eventually happen to your car? It's going to shut down, right? It's going to crash and burn. And just like we need to take care of our car, we need to make sure we have gas in it, make sure we change the tires, make sure we do all this stuff, and make sure it's maintenance. We need to do the same thing with our spiritual life. We need to make sure that we are continually checking up on our spiritual life. And the first week of the summer series, we talked about God's word and how we need to read God's word and memorize God's word and meditate on it and all these different things. And then a couple of weeks ago, Hope delivered this awesome message about prayer and how, how to pray and how to pray better. So tonight we want to talk about probably one of the most important things that I think, and that is Lordship of Christ. Lordship of Christ. And this is, uh, you know, Bill just read this verse. And this is what this verse says. Philippians 2, 10, and 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? It's Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what I want to do is something that we haven't really done before. I want you to get in groups of two or three people I want you to answer these two questions to each other. What does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? And does he automatically become Lord when you ask him into your heart and life? So what does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? Answer that question. Then answer this question. When you accept Christ into your life, does he automatically become Lord of your life? All right. So take three or four, maybe five minutes. I don't know. Just take a few minutes. Get in groups of three. No more than three. Not four two or three, and answer those two questions. Go.
Take about one more minute. All right, that's good. Thank you. So, what does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? Anybody come up? Does somebody throw out some answers that you guys talked about? What does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? Loud. No, that's good. Okay, trust in the Lord, making him... Making him your number one. What is? Um, we said that it's changing your desires to fit Jesus' desires. Changing your desires to fit Jesus' desires. That's good. Trust him to guide you. Changes the way you think. Changes the way you think. Die to self. All great. Anything else? Having him involved in everyday life. I missed the last thing you said. Not just church. Okay, good. Anything else? Great. Um, now, I'm going to answer the next question for you because I don't want to embarrass you if you get it wrong. It is not possible to have Jesus only as your Savior. Does you, 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 okay, so we had this terminology, you know, have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you heard of that before? So what does that mean to accept him as your Savior? He saved you from what? From sin. He saved you from death, which means eternally separated from God forever. So he's, he's your Savior. He saved you from those things. So you cannot separate Lord and Savior. But the more important question is, are we obedient to his Lordship? Are we obedient to his Lordship? So that's what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about three different types of people tonight. The first one is this, the natural person. The natural person is going to be over here. And these are people who simply have not accepted Christ into their life. They're lost, if you want to call them lost. They're dead to sin. I mean, whatever you want to call them. They're walking according to the world's standards and not according to Christ. They have no relationship with Christ. They may not even go to church. Some, people, some of these people may go to church. Um, and some of these people are unaware that they're lost. They have, nobody's ever told them about this guy named Jesus. So this is the natural person. There's probably some people in this room that fall into this category. But you got to understand something about this, is these people, if they were to die in this state, they would be eternally separated from God forever in a place called hell. All right? This is a real subject. This is the real deal, all right? So this is a natural person. One verse that I'm going to um, read, if you, if you just want to write it down, the reference, you can go back and refer to it later. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So they reject the things of the Spirit of God. All right, the next person is the carnal person. The carnal person. 
And this person has accepted Christ into their lives. They are a Christian. But this person is what we would call a baby Christian or maybe a new Christian. They haven't. Um, Paul refers to, um, and actually I have the verse, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. Paul refers to these people as they are people who are, who are still on milk, spiritual milk. So like a baby, like we have, um, Tiffany's sister has, has, has new twins. So they are just now starting to eat some solid food. But for the first like six, seven, eight months, they were on milk. That's all they drank is milk. And they were good with milk. But as they are getting older, they are now starting to eat more solid food. They're not eating steak yet, but they're eating some like chewed up, pre-chewed up food, kind of like that. That's what we did with our kids. Like we, for green beans, like we chewed it up and then spit it out and then they fed their kids. It's, it's fine. They didn't know. They do now, but they didn't know at the time. Um, but that's pretty much what it is. Like you grind up food, baby food. So they're eating this food. All right. And as they are getting older, they will be introduced to more and more solid food. Same thing for spiritual life. Right. As you first accept Christ. You're on this spiritual milk. Let me just read the verse to you. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. It says, But I, this is Paul speaking, brothers, do not address you as spiritual people. So he's not calling them spiritual people yet. It says, But as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not already, you were not ready for it. And now, even though you're not ready, for you are still in the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in the human way? So these people are simply um, just baby Christians. These could, could be people who have been Christians for years. But for some reason, they have not, they're not growing in their walk with Christ. Okay? So this is the carnal person. And their own milk, not meat. Um, therefore, they don't understand a lot of the spiritual truths. They're not being spiritually disciplined. They don't, they're not following the disciplines of the Christian faith that we've been talking about, prayer and Bible study. Decisions are not made by consulting God. They make their own decisions by just making their decisions, what's best for them. And then the last person is the spiritual person. The spiritual person. And this is someone who has accepted Christ. They're growing in their walk with Christ and they have spiritual insight, and they're producing fruit. You know, the fruit of spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self. I missed one. Gentleness. Self, I missed another one. There's another one. There. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, faithfulness, and self-control. So these are the people who are, they're, they're, they, they have the fruit of the spirit. They're bearing fruit in their life, as John talks about. These people who are growing in their walk. Jesus is their Savior, but he's also their Lord. Um, yeah, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All right. Now, what I want to do now is talk about, on your, on your handout, you have these little cars that look kind of look weird. Um, so I want to explain this to you. This is the best way I know how to explain these different states. So the first one. It's a natural person, all right? You, if you can imagine this is a car, you are in the driver's seat. 
Nobody's in the passenger seats, and Christ is outside the car. He's not a part of your life. So you control your own destiny. You're going where you want to go. And the Bible talks about this in, in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about the broad road or the broad gate and a narrow gate. You know this? And these people are on that broad road that leads to destruction. That many, that scripture says, many people will find it. So these people, they're in the driver's seat. Christ is not a part of their lives. He's outside the car just chilling. And that's what these people are doing. The next person is Christ. They accepted Christ, right? So he's in the car, but you're making your own decisions. You're driving a car. You're going where you want to go. Christ is a part of your life, but you are in the driver's seat. Right? Does that make sense? Nod your head. Are you with me? And then the last one is, of course, you're in the passenger seat. Christ is in the driver's seat. You're seeking him for guidance on where to take you in your life. This is very important for you guys that are going into um, your senior year of high school. As you're trying to think, not, what college should I go to? Because if you're in this seat, you want to go to your K-State, K, 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 whatever your favorite college is. It could be whatever, you name it. You're in a driver's seat. I want to go where I want to go. But when you're in, in this seat, you're asking God, where do you want me to go? And there's a big difference there. Because he may tell you to go somewhere that you don't want to go. So it's very important that we are in this seat. So now what I want to do, I think I have the verse that I just read. Um, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it, enter by it, are many. So many people are in this. This is where the world is going. And it's so easy to follow the crowd, right? It's so easy to go where the crowd is going. But... The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So these people, only a few people find it. And what does it say? It says it's hard. It's hard to be in this spiritual state. It's hard to do that. So what I want to do with, actually, let me, I forgot about this. Um, so natural to carnal, carnal to spiritual. So when you go from, Natural to carnal, that's a, that is a one-way street. This is actually, I took this off our church's website. And there's some different beliefs about this. But this is what us as a church believes about salvation. We believe, this is a quote from the website, we believe salvation is a gift of God and is received by man through personal faith in Jesus Christ. And his sacrifice for sin. We believe man is justified by grace through faith apart from works. And then lastly, we believe that all true believers, I think that's a, a very important word, all true believers, elect of God, once saved, are kept secure in Christ forever. So what that is saying is, once you leave this state and you truly accept Christ into your life, then you're secure. And then the rest of your life is this seesaw where you're going back and forth between spiritual and carnal. Where there's seasons of my life where I'm good. I'm in the passenger seat and Christ is in the driver's seat and he's going, I'm going where he wants me to go. And there's sometimes that I get selfish and I kind of get in the driver's seat. So no, 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 I'll take this. You just sit back. 
And we're, so our whole lives, we're going to be battling this, this kernel versus spiritual state. It's like a slippery seesaw. We're going, we can go back and forth and back and forth. So what I want to do tonight is show you four steps how you get from natural to kernel, four steps on how you get from kernel to spiritual, and then on your handout, there's five things how you can stay in the spiritual state. Does that make sense? Yes? I want you to talk to me. All right. Here we go. From, moving from natural to carnal. The first thing is recognize your sin. Romans 3.23. You're, if you're lost, if you have never accepted Christ in your life, you need to recognize that you have sin in your life. Romans 3.23 says, For all, that means me, that means you, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is as simple as it gets. We've all have fallen short. If you went to the fall retreat last year, you remember that illustration I did with trying to jump into God's presence. There's no way. You can jump as much as you want. You would never enter God's presence on your own. The next one is this. Repent of your sin. Repent of your sin. Turn from it. The word repent means to turn away. So if you're walking on this broad road that leads to destruction, you're walking on it. That word repent means to turn away. 180 degrees and walk away from it. Repent from your sins. Walk away from it. 1 John 1 9 says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive you for your sins. That is good news because we've all sinned. So he is faithful and just and he will forgive us if we confess him. Number three is realize God's provision. We need to realize that God sent Jesus to pay the ultimate price for our sins. John 3, 16, that we probably all know. For God so loved the world, he loved you and me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And then lastly, is receive Christ. In other words, just do it. Just do it. You receive Christ by faith. Revelation three twenty says, Behold, Jesus is speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in. So if you're in this, what that verse is saying is, if you're in this right here, and you've recognized your sin, you repented of your sin, you realize God's provision, that he died for you. He is knocking at your door. And if you were to open the door of your heart, he will come in, and you will move from this state to this state. And that's a beautiful thing. And I know many of you guys have already done that. But if you have not done that, you just ask Christ to come into your life and he will do it. All right, so how do we move from carnal to spiritual? Number one is recognize your need. So as Christians, as we begin to grow spiritually, um, it's soon pretty evident that we're in this kind of seesaw that we can move back and forth. No, God is not going to remove all your sins. He's not going to remove all your temptations once you become a Christian. It's going to be harder and harder to live, to, uh, live for Christ. It's a continual struggle. Even Paul struggled with this. Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing those things. And the things that I, do, that, that I, that I want to do that are good for me, I don't do those things. It's like we are in this constant battle of doing the things that we don't want to do or, or the things that we should do we don't do. 
And that's what he's talking about. So we need to recognize the need. Recognize the need. Are we satisfied with where we are? If we are, then we won't see the need, the need to move. If we're satisfied being in the driver's seat, being in control of our lives, then we won't even see the need to move to the spiritual state. Don't compare your spiritual life to somebody else. Because, listen, you can always find someone who's less spiritual than you are. And that makes you feel better about yourself. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Number two is repent of your carnality. When we realize that carnality has taken over our lives, we need to repent of this. We're all carnal people. We all have this kind of state of mind that we want to do things on our own. We want to take control of our lives when we repent of those things. Number three is recognize the provision of the Holy Spirit. It is He who lives inside of you. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to help you do these things, to help you live as a Christian life. No, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is your counselor. He's your tutor. He's your helper. He's, he's there to, to he convicts your, of you of your sin. There's all these things that he, that he does, and that's what it is. Um, you need to recognize his provision of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, receive Christ. Make him Lord of every situation. Ask for his help. Make him Lord of every situation. And then lastly, how do we stay in a spiritual state? And these are already in your handouts, but let's go over them really, really quickly. <clears throat> Number one is practice enthroning Christ as Lord of each day in each situation. The first thing you should do every morning when you wake up is ask God, what do, I, what do you want me to do? Ask, give, give the Lord permission to do whatever he wants to do in and through you. Surrender that day to his lordship. Number two is spend time in Bible study and prayer, which we've already talked about these two things the past couple of weeks. But if you want to remain in this state and you never read your Bible, you never spend time praying, you're not going to be here. You're going to fall back to this state. So in order to stay in the spiritual state, we need to read, read the Bible and pray. Number three, three keep your sins confessed and up to date. Ask God to forgive you for your sins. Ask God to, um, you might need to even ask forgiveness from somebody else or, or offer forgiveness to someone else. Number four is be actively involved in church and small group. I can't tell you how important this is to be in community with people your own age. And I know we, don't, we haven't really done small groups this summer for different reasons, but as soon as fall kicks off again in August, we'll be back in small groups, and that is so important for you guys. And then lastly, step out in faith and begin this walk with Christ. You know, the verse that, as I was kind of preparing through this, I think if we can narrow all this down in one verse, it'd be the great commandment, or two verses, really. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, if you, one of the things that we try to do as parents, Tiffany and I, and our kids are actually in the room tonight, is if you were to ask each of my kids, kids, What's the most important thing you can do with your life? What would you say? <laughs> I don't know if they'll do it in front of everybody. You, you, do you want to say that loud? What's the most important thing you can do with your life? 
She's saying it, you just can't hear her. That's it. That's it. We've been telling our kids the most important thing you can ever do with your life is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. You fill that in with any situation with your peers, with your teachers, with your parents. No matter what situation you're in, what's the most important thing you can do for your life? You love God first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because we love ourselves better than we love anybody else. And that's it. If we can get that, then we're here. If we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbors as ourselves, we're going to be in this state. And this is where God wants us to be. Now, the illustration that I think of when I think of kind of this kind of going back and forth between carnal and spiritual, carnal and spiritual is this image of a hot air balloon. I've never ridden in one. I really want to one day. But, you know, you pull the little lever, the gas goes up, and what happens? The balloon goes up, right? You let off the gas, and what happens? It decreases. It never stays in one spot. And I think the same is true with our spiritual life. Now, as we get the gases, gas going, we're growing in our walk with Christ. But as soon as we take that gas off, as soon as we say, you know what, it's summertime, I'm going to take the break, take a break from this. I'm not going to come, I'm not going to get involved, I'm not going to read my Bible, I'm not going to pray. I mean, when you, start, when you let the gas off, you start decreasing. And you find yourself right here. So this is for everyone tonight. There's no song at the end of this message. But if you're there, the invitation is for you to come here. If you're here, which I bet there's a lot of us here, the invitation is to move there. If you're there, praise God. But for so many of us, it's so easy for us to stay right here. You know why? Because it's comfortable. And so for so many Christians, we like to be comfortable. So this is what we're going to do to close. We want to spend some time in silence. And I want you to just have a conversation with God. And this is where you are. You simply just confess your sins, ask Christ to come and be a part of your life, recognize your sin, confess your sins, ask. Actually, I'm going to just go back to that slide so you can see it. And leave it there. Because I think this is probably the most important. Recognize your sin, repent of your sin. Realize that God, what, what he did for you, then ask Christ to come into your life. So if that is where you are, that's your steps. And it's just simply having a conversation with God. As Hope talked about a couple weeks ago, prayer is a conversation between you and God. And that's what you have to do. If you're here, then you just ask those same questions. And you move from carnal to spiritual And then you have on your handout the things you have to do to stay in that state. So if you will, let's just spend a few minutes in silence as you pray. 
then I'll dismiss this in a few minutes.